This podcast may contain language and subject matter that some people could find offensive. Please do not listen to this podcast if easily offended. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. In the show today, Jimmy and I will be chatting about Falling Star Wrestling's debut show in Fosdyke this past weekend. There were matches aplenty and a whole host of British wrestling legends on the scene too. We'll get into all of that in just a bit. Welcome to the show today. My name is Patrick Vincent Crown, a.k.a. PVC, and I'm joined by my tag team partner and fellow disaster artist. He goes by Jimmy Starr. If you're new to the Falling Star Wrestling podcast, come on in, take off your shoes and make yourself comfortable as Jimmy and I chat about all things Falling Star Wrestling. Now, Falling Star Wrestling returns to in-ring action in a few weeks' time when we head back to the belly of the beast, the Westland Sports and Social Club in Kingsland, for another rendition of Fight Night on Saturday, April 15th. The usual rules apply. The doors open at 6.30 with the show starting at 7.30pm. It's the cutoff date for me to get cleared by the doctors as Jimmy and I face off against the Boston College Boys, aka the BCB, in the semi-finals of the Sound Honorary Invitational Tournament. I'm hoping and praying that I'll be cleared by then, but we shall see. All that and much more on April 15th. For more information on all Falling Star Wrestling live dates, check out at Falling Star Wrestling on Facebook. But for now, we've got a show to review, so kick back as we chat about our debut in Fosdyke. So today we'll be discussing the recent invasion of Falling Star Wrestling in Fosdyke. It was an exhilarating experience as it marked the first ever show of Falling Star Wrestling in Fosdyke. And we had an incredible lineup of British wrestling legends such as Danny Boy Collins, the UK Pitbulls and the Wonder Kid Johnny Storm to name a few. And we're excited to share with you everything that happened in Fosdyke. But before that, let's hear from Jimmy Starr who was present at the event. And since I couldn't be there, Jimmy, you're going to have to be my eyes and ears and give us a glimpse of the atmosphere that was present in Fosdyke this last Saturday. So how was it? How was it invading Fosdyke? It was very exciting. But just before we move on with the Fosdyke event, and obviously we'll review the matches one by one, and I'll give you guys who couldn't be there a good idea of what happened. And also UPVC, I'll give you an idea of what how exciting Fosdyke actually was. And it was a Amazing event, but first, let's have an update on the shoulder. What's PVC shot with shoulder situation at the moment? It's uh, it's still attached, it's still broken, but I had physio this past Tuesday and there's definite improvement. I'm getting a little bit more movement in the left arm. I can lift it certainly higher than I could last week and the week before, and especially as it happened, I could barely kind of get it up to scratch my nose. I'm getting to the point where it's getting a bit more comfortable to, to tie my hair up and scratch my back and things like that, but we're not quite there yet but I've got plenty of exercises to do. I've got a few more stretches that I need to do. And uh, we've got two weeks until we're supposed to be in the next round of the Sound Honorary Invitational Tournament at the Westland Sports and Social Club on the 15th of April. So I'm just praying, I'm hoping that I can rehab enough to get there and uh, face the BCB. But that still remains to be seen. I've got physio in two weeks' time and then I'm hoping that they'll be able to give me the go-ahead and get back into the ring as soon as possible. Let me tell you something. I'm definitely praying and hoping that you're back in the ring as soon as possible too. I'm definitely missing tagging with you. Definitely missing the disaster artist being part of the show. I mean, obviously, I'm getting out there and doing my bit. 
But there's nothing quite like, obviously, tagging with yourself, trying to climb up the ladder of the Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team Division with you. You know, it's, it's always good to share the ring with you and share my experiences with you. So it's gutting that, that you haven't been at the past two shows, but I totally understand why. You've got to get your shoulder better. You've got to focus on yourself. And it sounds like that things are getting better, which is great. Hopefully, fingers and toes crossed, you, you'll be okay for the 15th so we can carry on in this tournament and get to where we rightfully deserve because we've both worked very hard over the past two years or however long it's been that we've been tagging to together. We've worked very hard. And on our best day, I don't think that there's anyone who can beat us. So we just need to make sure that that best day happens and your shoulder is tickety-boo. No rush back, but just keep working on it, keep rehabbing. And I'm sure all the Fallen Star Wrestling fans are behind you and they can't wait to see PVC back in action. But as for Fosdyke, I mean, that it was absolutely amazing. Again, another experience I wish I could have shared with your PVC the atmosphere was electric. We absolutely rammed the place. I mean, we could not have fit another person in that building. We had it jam-packed, which was absolutely amazing. Not a seat free, not a piece of flooring free. Everybody was standing remote. People were came in their droves that night from Fosdyke and surrounding areas to see Falling Star Wrestling. And I think that, A, we put on a really strong show. But, B, I want to thank the fans of Fosdyke. I want to thank the Kingsley fans who came for all the way from Kings Inn to watch the show. I want to thank the local fans who came from wherever they live to, to come and support their local venue. And that's what they need to do. If they keep turning up like that, we'll keep performing. It was a really good, special feeling. And above and beyond all, it was so amazing to see Danny at a show again. He was absolutely in his element. I haven't seen him so happy in a long time. It was just a great feeling. Everyone was happy. It was the way a wrestling show should be. Everyone wanted to work hard. There was a huge crowd there in attendance ready to see some amazing action. And we were going to go out there and give it to them. So really happy and really thankful that the crew turned up and we absolutely filled that hall to capacity. That's amazing. I've seen some of the pictures. I've watched the matches back on the phone camera and I've heard a lot of kind of really good responses on the Falling Star Wrestling Facebook page. I've seen the messages come in, the comments, just people just saying how much of an amazing night they had and they can't wait for Falling Star Wrestling to come back to Fosdyke. So I guess it's not going to be a long time till we go back there, right, Jim? Uh, even today, I've been looking at other venues that are quite close to Fosdyke. In fact, I'm 90% in negotiations with a venue called the Western Village Hall. I'm not too sure how far away exactly that is from Fosdyke, but it's in Lincolnshire, and it's a, it's a bigger village hall. There's a bit more of a capacity there, and they're keen to have us there also. So it's not 100%. If it happens, I think it's May the 27th. It's either May the 29th or May the 27th, whichever one's a Saturday. And that's that was the plan all along. We were going to sort of invade Lincolnshire, if you like. And with Danny on our side, we've got that legitimacy. We've got that old school legend, which no, one, no other promotion has really got, to be able to turn around and say, actually, we're, we're taking over this venue. Tough to eat. This is what we're doing. And we're taking over Lincolnshire. So our next stop looks like it's in Lincolnshire. It looks like it's going to be Western in May, just after just after April. But that is a bit of a sort of secret scoop because I haven't 100% confirmed that. I just need to I just need to hear back from the committee there to make sure that they 100% want it. But we're booked in, I think, for the 27th of May over in Western. So just based on the strength of Fosdyke and how good that was, 
we had an amazing show there. And I think that we're going back there on July the 22nd, not to put on a show at the Village Hall, but just to be a part of this local event that they've got going on. So we're going to put on a sort of hour style camp show just to be a part of the festivities. So they want us there. They want us to be a part of the community. And they, to be honest with you, the people in Fosdyke and the people in the surrounding areas and also the people that I spoke to who were involved in the hall couldn't have been any kinder, couldn't have been any more accommodating. And that's how you fill these halls. A lot of promotion, a lot of hard work. If the venue are in on it too and want it to be a success too, it helps so, so much. So thank you to all the guys at Fosdyke who, who, who helped promote the show. And in fact, thank you to anyone who in the local area who let us put up a poster, let us put up some flyers because spreading the word isn't easy when it comes to promoting. That's the hard bit. But everyone was so friendly in that area. They were quite happy to help. So brilliant stuff. Really enjoyed it. And hopefully our next experience will be just as good. So we'll just try and keep the momentum going. Sounds like I missed out on an amazing show, but I did manage to watch the matches back. Do you want to chat about them, Jim? Yeah, man. It'd be interesting to see what you thought, and I can tell you what they were like live and in person. Excellent stuff. So we opened up the show with MC Danny Fear. He makes his way down to the ring and introduces the people of Fosdyke to Falling Star Wrestling. He asks if they're ready for a night of professional wrestling action, to which the crowd responds with massive applause. The arena is packed with loads of people milling about, as you alluded to there, Jim. And tonight's show is here to tell and show the people what Falling Star is all about. And Danny introduces British wrestling legend, former Falling Star wrestling heavyweight champion and Fosdyke's very own Danny Boy Collins to the ring. The audience erupt into chants of Danny as Danny Boy Collins takes the microphone and feeds off the audience's energy here in Fosdyke. He talks about being backstage and really feeling the energy of the wrestlers, the lights, the excitement, the music, and of course, the raw of the crowd he thanks the audience for coming down to see him tonight and emphasizes that wrestlers are nothing without their fans wrestling fans inspire wrestlers to do what they do Danny mentions that sometimes wrestlers can forget about the fans but he always takes time to take pictures with them to speak to them because they're the ones put the wages in the wrestlers back pockets he adds that even after 40 years he still gets a massive buzz and an adrenaline rush from being backstage and seeing the ring being set up as well as the music and lights being pumped out Danny also expresses his pride in bringing Falling Star Wrestling into Fosdyke this weekend no Noting that he's been working with FSW for quite a few years and always sees something different within FSW. He highlights the quality of the training academy where every person that comes through is trained properly, learns how to wrestle, but also learns to entertain a crowd, which Danny sees as a unique aspect of Falling Star Wrestling. Danny then brings out the owner and booker of Falling Star Wrestling, Jimmy Starr, whom he calls a lifelong friend and a brother. The pair embrace in the middle of the ring, creating a really heartwarming moment. Jimmy thanks Danny for his contributions to Falling Star Wrestling and it says as long as the promotion is around Danny will always have a home. Jimmy asked Danny to be the guiding light for Falling Star Wrestling and help the promotion become the best in Europe. You shake hands with Danny and the audience chants FS dub as you guys leave the arena and then we proceed with the show's action but Jimmy just uh, touch upon that kind of promo segment there with Danny Boy Collins. How did that feel being in the ring with Danny after all those years? Do you know what? It was absolutely crazy because we were just, there was a bit of chaos before the show started. So so we started 10 minutes late because basically we were all ready to go. We were about to get to the point where we got the audience to take their seats so that we could start the show. And then our, the laptop just fucking went black. It just blanked out. Done. No, no one could get it to work. 
no music, nothing coming off of it, no no power. We looked to see if the crowd had maybe knocked the charger out or or anything, really. We just couldn't get it going. So there was a bit of panic backstage. It was like, oh, shit, we're just going to have to use Danny's phone and what's everyone's music and what's happening. I was like, look, just it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Just get anyone's music, anything that makes noise, just make just make it happen type thing. I said, don't use YouTube because we'll get fucking adverts blaring out. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> just just play some fucking music. It doesn't matter. And as I was saying that, the Danny's dad turned the computer on again and it fired up. We turn it on and the playlist has gone. So like, for fuck's sake. So we have to get the playlist all sorted and everything. So it made us about 10 minutes late. So there's a lot of panicking and a lot of pissing about. And I'm like, look, just do the fucking first match and start the show and as we're out there then you can figure out the rest of the playlist so that's what they did so danny went out and i think that because of all the confusion and talking and everything when da- we didn't plan a promo danny just said look do you mind finding a show i'm like yeah of course not a problem but then i'm thinking fucking now we're starting late we got to- we're starting it with a promo it's going to be a little bit flat blah 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 but then when danny went out there the chance from the crowd he just didn't expect it as, to be as loud as it was and it was really loud in there and it hit him like a ton of bricks and the emotion got to him I could hear in the ring he had a lot of emotion in his voice he was very he was very touched by the fact that the crowd remembered him he had half an idea of what he wanted to say but I think that the emotion just took over everything and it was a very real very heartwarming promo and then I'm just stood backstage thinking oh, I hope the fucking music goes okay I hope that fucking computer don't die again blah 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 and then he introduces me out and the minute i go out and i start talking and i see the look in his face it all became so fucking real and i didn't know what i was going to say i think i said something lines of the last time you wrestled for us i didn't know it was going to be the last time that you would ever get in the ring for falling and start wrestling and you didn't get the proper send-off that you deserved this is a historical night for falling star wrestling because you haven't been in- involved in wrestling on you-, you took a back seat you stepped away from it for seven years and now you're here and like you said i mentioned about being the guide in life for falling star wrestling will you help us will you help us going forward we shook hands but it was very emotional i mean he was choking up i was choking up it was fucking crazy really so it actually started the show on a very real note and without realizing it i didn't realize it until actually after the show and i'm glad i didn't realize it until after the show but we promised them an amazing show before the show started and as a promoter, you should never do that because you can't fucking promise someone an amazing show. And me and Danny saying, yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to fucking rule the world. We're going to take Falling Star Wrestling forward with the beast bollocks. You're not going to see anything like this ever again. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, fuck, how much pressure have we put on the boys <laughs> to go out there and fucking perform? We've basically said, this is, you're never going to see anything like this. Jesus Christ. Luckily, I don't think the boys were paying too much attention I wasn't paying too much attention because I was just trying not to cry. I think Danny was doing the same fucking thing. And it was all very real, very emotional. So if you were there, you could feel it. It was palatable. It was very, the crowd could definitely feel that. And I felt as well that this was one of the few things in wrestling that was actually 100% legitimate and real. There wasn't one lie told in that wrestling ring. And it was a really nice little moment for him and for me as well. But I hope for him, he seemed to enjoy it. There's no secret Danny's going through some tough times and I've gone through some tough times too. And we've supported each other through those tough times, myself and Danny. And this moment really meant a lot to him. And being backstage with the boys really meant a lot to him. And he was so good that night. He helped everyone. Everyone got 
a masterclass with the feedback that he gave him and the support he gave him. And he was so impressed with everyone. But still, he had some good feedback to give people. And it was amazing having him there. And I said to him, look, if you enjoy this and you want to be a part of Falling Star Wrestling, then we want to have you as a part of Falling Star Wrestling because where else are you going to get that kind of knowledge? I mean, people like Danny Boy College just, just aren't around anymore. Like, obviously, you've got Brookside who's in WWE, you've got Regal who's in WWE, you've got Finley who's in WWE, and then you've got Danny, and that's about it, really. Marty Jones sits at home on his own. Fucking Steve Gray's good, and he's around, and he's a really nice bloke, but he's not really interested in front in a wrestling company. But Danny is. There really literally is only a handful of people who have got the knowledge that Danny's got, and a lot of them are teaching the best in the world. And we've got that in Falling Star Wrestling. That's fucking amazing. And that's what I'm, I'm proud of. And that was the first time I've seen Danny smile, laugh. And all he wanted was just to be a part of the boys. It was a fucking beautiful feeling. And it was a really special night because he was there. And I told him that about Heacham and about some other shows coming up. He's going to be at Heacham. So he's going to make his first appearance in a Norfolk wrestling show in, in seven or eight years. He's going to be at Heacham. He'll be at Western. So he's really going to be a part of the Fallen Star Wrestling crew. He's going to try as hard as he can to use his contacts and give his advice to the guys and girls of Fallen Star Wrestling. It can't do anything but give us A, more legitimacy, but B, make us better because you can't have someone like that around as a part of the team with that much knowledge and that much love for the business. That's infectious. And to have him around in, in that sort of support capacity and also that sort of head figure capacity as well, can't do anything but good for Fallen Star Wrestling. It gives us that air of old school legitimacy that I think we're missing and that's fucking that's an amazing thing and it felt amazing on that night to give him that opportunity to get in the ring and say what he needed to say very emotional but also very real and he's going to be a very big fixture of falling star wrestling moving forward which is fantastic that's amazing to have the stamp and seal of approval from somebody the legend status of Danny Boy Collins is just amazing. I can't wait to see what kind of impact that Danny's going to have on Falling Star Wrestling moving forward. And no doubt about it, it's going to be absolute positivity moving forward. But Jim, we've got a whole show to talk about as well, not just this promo, which is <laughs> which was amazing. We've got some matches to talk about as well. Do you want to jump in on those? Yeah, definitely. But if we were going to give that promo a fucking right in, what would it be? I mean, I'd have to give it five stars, personally. Real, emotional, full of weight. Five-star promo for me. Don't get any realer than that. Yeah, damn straight. I just wish I could have been there to watch it live. But it came across on camera. You could feel the emotion there. Danny, normally kind of an exuberant kind of guy, there was a little bit of a solemn nature to the way he was talking because I think he felt a little bit down about not being able to be in the wrestling ring and be able to kind of be a part of the show. But he was a major part of the show. And I think as the promo went along, he just felt, yeah, I am a massive part of this and I can be a massive part of wrestling still. At this point in my career, no matter what's happened in my life, I've still got people here. And he called you his brother and things like that that must be a, a, an amazing kind of pat on the back as well just to be like right there are people around me that want to support me and want to see me do well and i then can give my knowledge and experience and time to falling star resting and it's a nice sort of symbiotic relationship isn't it exactly and just a quick one before we move on to the matches me and danny are good friends and it, it, it goes much deeper than wrestling much much deeper than wrestling we are very close and when he calls me his brother and stuff i feel the same we've obviously met and connected initially through wrestling, but also we've really got close and bonded over our mutual struggles with addiction. 
and there's a really strong bond there. But also, he's a fucking good guy, and he just wants us to do well. And the main thing as well about that promo, even though it was about Danny getting a bit of closure, and it was about me putting Danny over and making sure that the crowd were cheering his name. But at the end of the day, and he knows this as much as anyone else, the idea is to get the promotion over. And even with Danny Boy Collins in the ring and myself in the ring cutting a promo, what was the fucking thing they were chanting as we were leaving? It wasn't Danny. It wasn't Jimmy. It was Falling Star Wrestling. Exactly. And that's what we got to fucking remember. And that's what Danny knows. And that's what I know. It's not about us. It's not about our friendship. That's cool. It's a great thing to mention. And it's very real and it's very true. It hits people right in the feels. But the point is, it's not that people don't really care about mine and Danny's friendship. They want to come and be fucking entertained. And the fact is, Danny wants the promotion to do well. Obviously, it's my promotion. I love it more than anything. I want it to do well. And it was just, it was a historic moment for Falling Star Wrestling to let people know Danny is back and he's here to help and he's here to fucking throw all of his weight, all of his knowledge and all his support into Falling Star Wrestling. And that's what we had him chanted when we leave, when we left the ring. And there's a good theme for the show that because everyone worked for the show. It was all about Falling Star Wrestling. It wasn't about one particular match. It was about going out there and showing what we can do. And yeah, I know we're still talking about the promo. Sorry. So we can move on to the first match, but that'll be a theme for the show. We all just worked for the event, for the crowd to say, this is what we can fucking do. What do you reckon of that? And let us know what you think. Well, that was what it was about, you know? Amazing stuff. So we had our first match here at Fosdyke. First to come out to the ring all the way from Shoreditch. It's the Dark Wolf, Matt Walters. The Dark Wolf comes out to a shower of booze and the crowd tells him that he sucks. But the Dark Wolf, he doesn't care. He assures the audience that he is the coolest, the best, the most athletic, the greatest wrestler in all of Falling Star Wrestling history. As he points his finger into the air, the audience asks, who are you? And the Dark Wolf replies, I'm the man who's going to win this match. His opponent is a man who's been guided by the hands of Danny Boy Collins and the man who's taken that talent and been able to catapult himself high in Falling Star Wrestling standards. It's the one and only Spring Heel Jack Landers who comes down to a thunder of applause. The audience claps and cheers as Jack comes down to the ring ready to face the Dark Wolf. Of course, these two met a number of months ago at Swanton Morley in a number one contendership match, which Jack picked up the win and will go on to face Callie Gray in Heacham on April 29th. But Jack can't look too far ahead as he has to go through the Dark Wolf Matt Walters here at Fosdyke. Landers leaps into the ring and the pair lock up in the middle, tussling. The Dark Wolf takes the wrist. Jack rolls through and ends up taking the Dark Wolf's wrist. Matt Walters screams in pain as Jack takes control of the arm, elbow and shoulder. Walters rolls through and reclaims the arm and then punches Jack's shoulder and rings up the wrist. Jack again rolls through, head nips up and regains control of the arm. The Dark Wolf Matt Walters scuttles to the side to break the hold and claims that Jack Landers pulled his hair and cheated much to the chagrin of the audience the dark wolf comes in with a kick to the gut and an avalanche down on the back of landers lighting up his chest with a massive chop landers retreats to the corner and then the dark wolf applies a headlock in the middle of the ring landers sends off walters who replies with a giant shoulder block taking landers crashing to the mat walters hits the ropes jack sleeps leaps again and then executes uh, a series of lovely arm drags followed by a beautiful drop kick the dark wolf is reeling and he feeds to the corner, catching his breath, 
for a bit of respite. Walters comes in with a clothesline, but misses Landers, who then sweeps the leg and hits a standing moonsault for a count of two. The audience are well behind Jack Landers, who takes Walters into the corner and lights up the Dark Wolf's chest. The audience chants one more time, one more time, as the Dark Wolf looks to escape the chops of Jack Landers, but Landers captures him like an animal in the corner and lights up his chest once again. The Dark Wolf's chest looks red and raw right now. Walters tries to escape, but Jack keeps lying up the chest a third time. Walters blocks it. Jack then Irish whips Walters, but Dark Wolf reverses it and Jack holds onto the ropes. Landers then dumps the Dark Wolf out of the ring, hops up onto the apron and dives on top of him. Matt Walters falls to the ground as the audience cheers and jumps to their feet for this exciting bit of action on the outside. Landers then sends Walters into the ring post on the outside. The referee administers his count. The pair have got until the count of 10 to get back into the ring. Jack even gets an assist on the outside with a few fans giving some chops to the Dark Wolf. Landers then throws the Dark Wolf back into the ring, hops up onto the apron and comes off the second rope with a lovely drop kick. The audience chants along, but he's only able to get the two count. Every single person in Fosdyke is cheering for Jack's name right now, wanting him to beat the Dark Wolf in this opening contest. Jack tries to do the pump handle driver, but Matt slips down the back. It gets pushed into the corner. Landers tries for the kick, but the Dark Wolf grabs the leg, kicks the inside of Jack's leg, and then follows it up with a crushing clothesline across the back, sending Landers straight into the mat. It's time for the Dark Wolf to get some heat on Jack now. He slaps Jack across the back. Walters follows with a snapmare and then another kick to the back. The Dark Wolf then sends Jack into the corner, who hits the buckle hard, and then Walters comes with a crushing clothesline in the corner, followed by a sidewalk slam. He goes for the pin, but Jack kicks out at two. Walters was convinced it was three, but the referee says two, and everyone in the audience agrees it was just a two count. Jack tries to come back with a couple of shoulder tackles and a left arm in the corner, but Jack is still reeling and his back is hurting. He charges at Walters in the corner, but Matt flicks him up over onto the apron. Jack lands on his feet, slips under the bottom rope, under the legs of the Dark Wolf. He then jumps up and kicks Dark Wolf directly in the head, but the Dark Wolf doesn't go down. Jack hits the ropes, but Walters slips behind him and delivers a giant jumping clothesline onto Jack Landers. However, Jack still kicks out at two. The Dark Wolf tries to grind down Jack Landers, sinking in a tight chin lock to try and get him to fade and pass out in this opening contest. Jack makes his way to his feet, gives a couple of elbows, hits the ropes, and then the Dark Wolf goes for a sleeper. Jack follows through and lifts up Walters with a giant back suplex and they both come crashing down to the mat. The referee begins his count and the audience hopes and wishes that Jack's going to get back up. At the count of five, Jack nips up and starts taking the Dark Wolf to the mat with a clothesline, a back elbow, followed by a drop kick. Jack is on fire right now. Walters retreats to the corner, but Jack sends him in and he reverses it. Jack comes up with a giant backflip. Walters charges in and Jack nails a beautiful power slam, but this only gets the two count. So he follows that with a standing shooting star press, which also gets the two count. Jack spots Walters in a vulnerable position and goes for the springboard cutter, but the Dark Wolf sees it coming and hits him in the back. He then hits a double underhook knee buster, followed by the Inzaguri and Jack is on Dream Street. Jack hits the ropes and the Dark Wolf crushes Landers with a Michinoku driver. However, this is still only able to get the two count and Jack's still in this match. The Dark Wolf has to be thinking about finishing things soon. He lifts Landers up onto his shoulders into the Death Valley driver position, but Jack slips down and hits a super kick. Jack then sees an opportunity, climbs up to the top rope looking for a spectacular maneuver and goes for the moonsault from the second rope, but the Dark Wolf gets his knees up. Landers then comes in and Walters nails a massive sky high powerbomb, but Jack kicks out just in time. It was two and three quarters.
Jack's still in the match and the Dark Wolf can't believe it. The Dark Wolf ascends to the top rope looking for another spectacular manoeuvre, but Jack jumps up to the second rope, catches the Dark Wolf, Matt Waters, looks for a giant superplex here in Fosdyke. However, the Dark Wolf replies with a headbutt of his own. Jack's arm unintentionally grazes the referee who has to look away for a moment and then the Dark Wolf comes in with a low blow. Jack is reeling and Walters nails a giant blockbuster off the top rope and pins Jack Landers one, two, three in the middle of the ring in this opening contest. The audience doesn't know what to do or say. There's an air of confusion and silence because they were well, they were hoping and willing and expecting Jack Landers to pick up the win here, but it wasn't meant to be. And as the Dark Wolf raises his index finger to the sky and asks for the audience's applause, the referee didn't see the low blow, but he saw Jack's shoulders being pinned to the ground. The music of the Dark Wolf rings throughout Fosdyke as he exits stage left, but Jack Landers is still left lying in the middle of the ring. He looks hurt, and the referee and MC Danny Fear are trying to rouse Jack back up. He looks like he may have hurt his shoulder or his neck, because he was really reeled and nailed with that giant top rope blockbuster. However, Jack manages to leave the ring under his own accord and he throws up the horns and leaves Fosdyke defeated. Before I get into my thoughts, Jimmy, do you want to jump in right now, mate? Yeah, just one thing to bear in mind. I cannot tell you how fucking hot it was in that hall. It was really hot. It was almost... Remember when we went to Outwell and we were being poached because it was about 3 million degrees outside? It was that sort of hot. And these guys worked so, so hard. There was a reason that, that these guys needed to go on first because they needed to set the pace for what Falling Star Wrestling is, what we can do. They're both very experienced, especially Matt Waters. They know what they're doing. They've worked together before. They work together beautifully. They complement each other's styles. The match was full of peaks and troughs and ups and downs. And again, this is the thing. I don't mind high-flying matches. I don't mind high-flying moves. I don't mind matches that have lots of moves in them. As long as there's a story there and a point to it, and every falsy has a reason, and every move has a point, and every movement isn't wasted because again especially when you're out there in front of all those people and it's boiling hot the last thing you want to do is do something that doesn't make sense and doesn't fit into the story in this particular match i really honestly did not think that they did anything wrong in terms of wasted movement the story was told brilliantly obviously jack took the took the loss in this one we did the classic Falling Star Wrestling low blow, but <laughs> I think that was the only real sort of dodgy finish we did on the show. The rest of it was, I think, was fairly straightforward. There was a little bit of skullduggery going on Matt Waters' part, but he did what he needed to do to get the win. This obviously might knock, knock Jack Lander's confidence going forward for wrestling Cali Gray because that's what's on his mind. But there's no better person to work out with and to wrestle other than the Dark Wolf, Matt Walters, who has been FSW champion a few times and for quite some time as well. It was a match to get people up and down and give them thrills and spills. And I think that they did that. When they came back, they were both happy with the match. Danny Collins watched the match. He was hugely complimentary about it, especially about Jack's work and told him that, that he would do really well over in Japan, which obviously chuffed, tickled Jack Pink. 
And in, in general, it was an amazing opener. And this is what, again, something I want to point out as we talk about these matches. We're not going for the storyline that we've got in Kings Lynn. We're not trying to fit in for the Kings Lynn crew on this one. I mean, I'm really happy that they could be there and I hope they enjoyed the show. But in terms of fitting in with the logic and the psychology of what's going on in Kings Lynn, what we're trying to do in this particular occasion is we are trying to impress a new area, a new county, and a new bunch of fans. There was 130 people in that hall. I'd say about 25 of them were from Kings Lynn. The rest of them were from, from somewhere in Lincolnshire. So th- these guys deserve and need a decent show without too much sort of storyline stuff. Just just good matches, good solid matches. And that match as an opener was, I think it was, I thought it was grey day, really good stuff. I actually thought it was better than the match they had a few months back over in Swanton Morley because they had the crowd with them. I know Jack took the loss with this one. It was just a better match. The crowd were there. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they fucking remembered it all, but they did. And it was amazing. It was fucking so, so swelteringly hot. And for them to pull that off was great. And there was amazing feedback and it was an amazing feeling backstage after it. So I don't know what it looked like watching it on the phone, but on the night, I can tell you being there, the crowd absolutely ate that one up. I mean, it goes without saying, really, doesn't it? When you have a match between the Dark Wolf Matt Waters and the Spring Hill Jack Landers, you're going to get an absolute clinic in work rate technical ability high flying action of course strong sharp strikes as well and this yeah it was a masterclass these guys knew what they needed to do to put this match together and be an opening match and it was a perfect opening match like you said we just had a promo it was quite a long promo segment as promo segments go maybe 10 minutes the people were waiting a little bit of extra time i didn't realize that with the, with trying to get the music sorted so the crowd have been sitting down for probably 20 minutes, hadn't seen any wrestling action, but then they're hit, they're nailed in the face with this match, and it was great. I was very surprised by the result. I assumed that Jack was going to go over in this opening contest because we normally like to open up shows with a baby face going over. And of course, Jack's got all this momentum. But the way that you explained it there with us not trying to kind of delve too much into storyline stuff, this makes sense to really get the crowd behind Jack there. Dark Wolf picks up the upset victory here, stunting Jack's string of wins over the last couple of months. But the audience, I thought they played a massive role in this match. They were fully behind Jack Landers. And it's always great to see a crowd fully supporting such an exciting babyface like Jack. The Dark Wolf, Matt Waters, obviously he had the ire of the crowd. It's evident why, because he's arrogant, he cheats, but he still manages to get the job done. And I think the great thing about Matt is... Yes, he can wrestle any style and that makes him such a key player in Falling Star Wrestling, but he never forgets that he's a heel. He always uses kind of that heel persona first. If he does a fancy maneuver, he will then still follow up with trying to get the crowd to boo him or hate him. And that's where I kind of fall off with certain people when they are heels. If they're very athletic, they should still do very impressive and athletic things. But you still have to be a heel at the end of the day. And Matt Waters does that exactly perfectly because he can do a really nice drop kick, hit you with that sky high powerbomb or the blockbuster off the top but he's still then going to look in each and every person's eyes in the crowd and he's going to look at them and he's going to have a smug grin on his face or he's going to point his finger to Sky and say, come on. And then they're just instantly, they forget about something impressive that they've just seen in the middle of the ring. And that's what I just love about the Dark Wolf Matt Waters. And I'm saddened that Jack 
lost this match, but I think and I hope and I pray that this is going to be a kick up the ass for Jack Landers to then turn around and be like, okay, now is not the time to rest on my laurels. Now is not the time to look too far ahead. Obviously, I do have this title match coming up on April 29th against Callie Gray for the FSW Championship. Jack looking to become FSW Champion for the first time, and that would be an amazing opportunity for Jack. But he's looking too far ahead, and maybe he had Callie on the brain. Whereas tonight in Fosdyke, he definitely should have had the Dark Wolf Matt Waters on the brain. But overall, I thought it was a great match, and it's a match that I would watch each and every day of the week, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I put it on. I could pretty much guarantee that it was going to be good. And I know that the crowd probably didn't have the result they wanted to see. The result is down to what, what I think is right and what I think is right for the show in the long run. Again, you look at the match as a single thing. Maybe Jack should have won it. But then if you look at the show as a whole and that actually the baby faces on the show were quite strong. They won most of the matches. We still need a few heel wins. Yeah, you normally start off the show with a baby face win. I know that. But one thing that won't hurt Jack is losing to the Dark Wolf. Just one thing for other people to remember, like you said earlier on, and you were totally correct. The Dark Wolf never, ever loses that heel persona. He is so fucking vicious with the stuff that he does. Everything looks so vicious and so snappy and so violent and so aggressive that as a heel that's the kind of stuff you need to be looking for you really need to be looking for that sheer aggression and just don't forget the crowd are there either you know matt waters looks in their eyes and looks them with such contempt that they don't want to do anything other than boo him the work was so good the result might not have been what jack wanted but sometimes the crowd do need to do need to be taken on a bit of a journey. So the match gave them that journey and the result was like, oh, a touch anticlimactic. But then you move on and give them the next match and give them something different. So, you know, it, it didn't hurt anyone. It was an amazing opener and I knew it was going to be. So let's put it on and let's fucking go and let's impress this crowd. And they definitely did that fucking awesome job to the pair of them. Yeah, stellar stuff from the Dark Wolf, Matt Waters and Jack Landers. Then the second match at Fosdyke is a tag team match. The first team to come to the ring and they're flanked by their manager, Samuel Bloody Wakefield, with his mystery briefcase in hand. He comes down wearing his backwards cap, his awful shirt and sunglasses, flanked by All-Pro Sean Stone and the destroyer, Robbie Lewis. This is Wakefield's wrestling empire. Their opponents are none other than Europe's heaviest tag team, Big Dave and the bulk known as the UK Pitbulls. This is a rematch from Swanton Morley as well, where Wakefield's wrestling empire managed to pick up the win and advance in the next round of the Sound Honorary Invitational Tournament. This time, the UK Pitbulls are looking to exact revenge and they are determined to squash, cripple and tear apart Wakefield's wrestling empire. The two men in the match first off are all pro Sean Stone and Big Dave. Stone flexes and poses in front of Big Dave. It's no contest. Big Dave is called Big Dave for a reason. He's big. He bundles Sean Stone into the corner with forearms and then grabs him by the head, throwing him from corner to corner. The pair then lock up and Big Dave takes him to the corner with his size and strength. Sean Stone makes a grave mistake and tries to body slam Big Dave, but 
I think he might have put his back out a little bit. It takes a lot of strength to body slam Big Dave. And, you know, it's not going to work when you look like Sean Stone. He goes in for it again, but his back can't take it. Big Dave is just too big and strong. And then on the third attempt, Sean Stone goes in for the body slam again. Still not going to work. Stone then turns around into the grasp and the bear hug of Big Dave, who picks him up and slams him down to the mat with relative ease. Sean Stone then challenges Big Dave to a test of strength, putting up his left hand. Dave goes up for the test of strength, but Sean Stone switches hands and then tries to get under the skin of Big Dave. Stone then puts both hands up, goes for a single leg on Big Dave, but again, with relative Eve, Dave just swats him off, sends Sean Stone crashing and rolling across the ring. Samuel Wakefield then provides a distraction and Sean Stone comes in with a schoolboy pin, but is only able to get the one count on Big Dave. Big Dave then tags in his brother, the Bulk, and Sean Stone exits the ring as quickly as possible, tagging in his tag team partner, the destroyer Robbie Lewis. Wakefield hops up onto the apron to give Lewis a bit of a pep talk, but Lewis is not wanting to get into the ring that quickly as he knows he's going to go up against the bulk in this contest. The bulk and Lewis tie up with bulk using his strength and size to take Lewis into the corner. The referee has to break the hold as Lewis has hold of the ropes. The pair lock up again. Robbie Lewis goes low and starts to take it to the bulk with a few shots, puts him up against the ropes, chokes him and lands a couple of clotheslines. The referee starts counting once again. Lewis then tries to send in the bulk, but the bulk reverses it and sends Lewis in, crashing him down with a clothesline. The bulk tags in Dave and they start to do some double teaming on Robbie Lewis. Dave goes down low and Robbie Lewis is caught by the bulk with a big bear hug. Off the ropes, Big Dave comes in and squashes Robbie Lewis in between himself and Bulk. Bulk then lights up Robbie Lewis in the corner, charges at him, but Lewis ducks out of the way and starts to work on Bulk's left arm. He tags in his tag team partner, Sean Stone, who comes off the second rope with an axe handle smash to Bulk's arm and they're trying to get the Bulk to submit and are working over the left arm of one half of the UK Pitbulls. The Empire then take it to Bulk, working him over in the corner, causing a distraction and even Samuel Wakefield tries to get involved. Bulk manages to get a strike on Robbie Lewis and then tags in his brother Big Dave who comes in with the assisted headbutts. Two for the price of one on Robbie Lewis. Robbie Lewis then sends in Big Dave who then switches it. Robbie Lewis then comes off and the pair just run into one another. Two big bulls just colliding in the middle of the ring and both men go down to the ground and the referee starts his count. Robbie Lewis gets a tag to Sean Stone, tags him in. The pair of Stone and Lewis try to work over Big Dave who just grabs him both by the throat. Stone and Lewis then come off the ropes with a double assisted bulldog but Dave just jumps back up. This had no effect on him whatsoever. Samuel Wakefield is asking for the pair of Stone and Lewis to turn around because he knows what's going to happen but they don't right now. They turn around into a pair of clotheslines and both of the Empire go clattering to the ground. Dave tags in the bulk who works over Sean Stone in the corner, sends him in crashing into Robbie Lewis, who's prone in the corner as well. The bulk and Big Dave then squash all of the members of the Empire, creating a massive UKP Empire sandwich. And then the bulk finishes off Sean Stone by jumping on top of him with a giant splash. The winners of the match are Big Dave and the bulk, the UK Pitbulls. And I guess compared to their match at Swanton Morley a couple months back, this was a lot better. The flow was better. They seemed to be on the same page with each other. However, there still was a few moments where it was unclear what was going on. Some of the sort of other bits were kind of... Are you asleep, Jim? Jim. <laughs> I think Jimmy's fallen asleep. Jim. This is a first, ladies and gentlemen. I've, I don't think I've ever had anyone fall asleep while I was talking to them. Am I that boring? Wow. 
You can hear that, right? That is coming through, isn't it? Oh, my days. I think he's... What's happened to him? He's still on the line. Mate. This is weird. Anyway, I'm going to continue talking because it's really awkward hearing Jimmy snore while I'm trying to talk. So, in terms of the match... Yeah, a lot better than their match that they had in Swantamoli a couple of months ago. Some bits felt a bit stunted. It's understandable given sort of the level of this match and the level of confidence in these guys. I thought that the Empire got a good, nice bit of heat working over the bulk. I enjoyed the start with Sean Stone and Big Dave, particularly the spot where Sean Stone tries to body slam Dave, playing on Dave's size. The test of strength left and right before almost turning into a dance was also a nice touch. I liked it when Dave lost his call and then just sent Sean Stone flying across the ring that was a really cool moment it was good to see the pitbulls finally get a win over the empire and just shut them up particularly samuel wakefield who was he was basically neutralized on the outside the briefcase didn't come into play and wakefield didn't really have too much of an impact other than the few moments that the referee was distracted the match it was basic but i thought everyone did their job they did it well. They bumped and sold, especially the Empire bumping for the UK Pitbulls. The stack-up spot at the end was particularly good. Sean Stone getting pummeled in the corner before being sandwiched between the bulk and Big Dave. The Pitbulls come out on top in the end, picking up a win here at Fosdyke. Jimmy Starr, over to you. That's, that's definitely snoring, right? You guys can hear that, right? Amazing. I'm absolutely amazed. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I literally have no idea what to do. I got four more matches to talk about. Jim. Jim. Yeah. Hey, you're right, mate. Oh fuck! Sorry, I lost you. I totally <laughs> lost you. I literally, I was replying back and screaming, and you're gone. Sorry. I do apologise. Where did we get up to? Basically, I've just talked about Pitbull's Empire match. I've just run down my thoughts. So if you want to give a little bit of a rundown of your thoughts on that match, and then we can move on to the next one. Yeah, fuck knows what happened there, mate. Sorry. Let me just fucking... Right, the thoughts on the tag team match. Okay, yeah, the I thought it was a good showing for both of them. The Empire, as they're known, they're getting more annoying as they go out. The crowd are starting to, especially the Lynn crowd, are starting to recognise their music. I think character-wise, it was probably the best that they've ever done. The Pitbulls have got their match, but I think that their match worked. See, this is the right environment to use the Pitbulls in. Because in Kings Lynn, when we use the Pitbulls, people just get used to seeing them. They've got their match and it's cool and people enjoy it. When, like I said, when you've got about 90 to 100 new people in a venue who've never seen Mike and Dave before, they're an attraction. And this is how you use the Pitbulls properly as an attraction. That match had a lot of heat, had an exceptional amount of heat. They came back, they were happy with it. It was just a bog standard sort of tag team match, but it was really good. I think that it was a good second match, probably went on a touch long, but they worked the crowd. They did what they needed to do. The Empire have got something. They're understanding their characters. They need to work more experienced people like the Pitbulls to slow them down with their ideas a little bit because they have great ideas, but sometimes it's like putting a hat on a hat on a hat. But when you get in with the Pitbulls, it's like, right, this is their match. This is what you're going to do. Let's just fucking go out there and do the best job with it. And I think that actually went pretty well. And the crowd, well, I'll tell you this now, when we were there, the crowd were absolutely mental. They really were mental. It was great. That's cool, yeah. I'm not sure it came across that way on the video, but yeah, it, it doesn't always come across on a phone's camera, right? 
No, but what did it just look like? Didn't it look like it was going too well, no? When we're talking about the crowd kind of interaction, there was a few moments when obviously they're getting the cheap heat and the referees being pulled and things like that. That always gets the crowd going, especially when Samuel Wakefield hops up onto the apron and starts choking the bulk and stuff like that. That seemed to get a big reaction, but I didn't really hear anything like comparing to the first match when it felt like every single person in there was chanting along to Jack or booing the Dark Wolf. Like it didn't come across as much, but... Yeah, it's a phone camera and it's never the best sound or the best kind of visual, is it? So it's not a substitute for being there, being in person and feeling the roar of the crowd, which obviously you were there on the night, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, like I say, the crowd were with it. It seemed to go well. And I watched on the tape again, watching it on the camera phone, like you say, it's totally different. But being there live and just see and seeing the guys and seeing the guys work with the crowd, go with the heat, Samuel Wakefield getting involved, just a way to get the Empire over as cheats. Again, I know they lost. It was a babyface win. I don't think it hurts anyone. I don't think it hurts the Empire when they lose. Again, it's just about getting their character over, getting their little, getting their stable over, and getting Wakefield over as that sort of annoying chicken shit heel manager. Like you say, it wasn't mind blowing, but it was a second match. It seemed to on the night have a decent amount of heat. I believe it's the way you use the pit bulls. They're an attraction. They look fucking cool. There's not. Too many blokes like that you see walking around the street. So that's the way you use them in that environment to a new crowd and introduce them to, to new fans. And it's fucking hell, did you see the size of those guys? And they'll remember them. It's just, it's the right way to use them. And I think that was probably the right choice for the second match. Yeah, so match number three at Fosdyke. It was a much-talked-about event. The uh, the audience knows who's coming out first as the music of Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer rings out throughout Fosdyke. The audience chants and sings along. And first into the ring in this contest is Lightning Ollie Cole, who makes his way around the ring. Ollie Cole is looking like a little whippersnapper, like a firecracker here tonight. He looks gassed up, ready to go, excited, full of energy, trying to get the crowd into it. He hops into the ring, and Ollie Cole is looking good, but... He's going up against British wrestling legend, the wonder kid, Johnny Storm. It's always great to see Johnny Storm in a falling star wrestling ring. And the best thing about Johnny Storm is he just gives people opportunities. Obviously, the last time we saw him in a wrestling ring in Falling Star was at Westlin, where he took on another member of the Falling Star Wrestling Academy. That time it was Sean Stone. This time he's letting Lightning Ollie Cole go up against Johnny Storm. Are we in to see some weird weather patterns here at Fosdyke? Is it going to rain? Are we going to see thunder? Is it going to be lightning? Is it going to be a storm? I know what we are going to see is going to be an incredibly high-paced, fast match, high-flying, action-packed match. So let's get started. The referee conducts his checks and the match begins. The pair of Storm and Lightning Cole shake hands in the middle of the ring and the pair lock up. Johnny Storm takes the arm and starts to control the youngster Ollie Cole. Ollie's looking for a way out. Johnny Storm with probably, I don't know, three, four, five, six, seven, ten, fifteen times more experience than Ollie Cole. But Ollie has got energy, gusto and fight as he rolls through the arm ringer and up and down, flips over his head and then gains control of the wrist on Johnny Storm. And I'm sure Johnny Storm probably got a thousand or one ways to get out of this wrist lock it's just picking one that's going to work against ollie cole somebody who is obviously still in the falling star wrestling academy and is about to be taken to school by johnny storm who just spins around and as quick as you like ollie cole is put into the wrist lock and johnny storm is now in full control storm then takes cole to the mat applying pressure to the wrist and elbow of ollie cole who gets up to his feet and regains control taking the wrist of johnny storm storm then charges to the corner goes up to the second rope nails ollie cole with a giant leaping arm drag off the top rope. Ollie Cole then hits the ropes and nails Johnny Storm with a shoulder tackle. Storm leaps, Storm rolls
rolls through. As does Cole. Storm sweeps the legs, goes for the pin. Ollie Cole sweeps the legs, goes for the pin. Johnny Storm nips up and the pair face off in the middle of the ring. This was a really cool little segment there. The audience show their appreciation with a massive ovation. Chance for both Storm and Ollie Cole. They can't pick who they want to win. The pair shake hands again and you don't shake hands with the veteran twice. Storm ends up sending Ollie Cole into the corner and then uh, gets the roll through with a sunset flip trying to pin Johnny Storm. Storm then takes Cole to the corner, sends him into the corner. Cole then replies with a drop toe hold, transitions into the STO. Johnny Storm looking in trouble there, looks to get to the ropes. Ollie Cole can't put him away. Ollie then picks up Johnny Storm who replies with a couple of shots to the face and Ollie Cole is reeling. Storm sends Cole in. Cole puts his hands down. Ollie Cole jumps up for the Hurricanrana but Johnny Storm replies with a snap powerbomb causing the neck and shoulders of Ollie Cole to snap back off the mat and now the veteran Johnny Storm is in full control. Johnny Storm kicks Ollie Cole in the head with a super kick, comes back with a short bulldog. Storm sends in Cole but Cole reverses and Johnny Storm nips up as quick as a hiccup. Comes back with a giant drop kick knocking down Ollie Cole and putting him down for the two count. Cole ducks the line and the back elbow and the pair come clattering together in the middle of the ring with a double clothesline. They were both thinking of the exact same thing and they're both on the ground. The referee begins the count and Johnny Storm is the first to get up. Ollie Cole still on the mat using the ropes to get to his feet. Johnny then charges Ollie Cole who gives him the old drop toe hold and Johnny Storm is laid in the middle ropes prone. Ollie's thinking 619 and he nails Johnny Storm with his own move. Johnny Storm gets hit with a 619 and Ollie Cole is on the apron looking to ascend up to the top rope. The 619 is normally followed by a gigantic lightning frog splash. Ollie Cole gets to the top rope, poises for the move. The audience is willing him on. He takes flight but boom, he goes splat. There was no water in the pool and Ollie Cole smashes into the ground and Storm moves out of the way. Johnny Storm then hooks in the Wonder Whirl. Ollie goes up, Ollie goes down and Johnny Storm picks up the win in this third contest here at Fosdyke. After the match, Johnny Storm picks up Ollie Cole, raises his arm to the crowd, grabs a microphone. Johnny Storm tells the audience that they're amazing here at Fosdyke, which they are, and then says that Ollie has got one hell of a future in Falling Star Wrestling. He really puts Ollie over and that must have been an amazing moment for Ollie to be put over in such a big way by British wrestling royalty just like Johnny Storm. Now, this was a real challenge for Ollie Cole. He was facing one of the most renowned, experienced and beloved wrestlers in all of Britain. One of the best high flyers in the world, the wonder kid Johnny Storm. And if Ollie managed to somehow pick up a win against Johnny Storm, it surely would have boosted his confidence and propelled him forward in falling star wrestling. But defeating a veteran like Johnny Storm is no easy feat, especially someone who's been on the circuit for so long. Ollie Cole has obviously got loads of moves in his arsenal. All the flips, tricks, spins, kicks and whatever. But Johnny Storm, he did them 10, 15 years ago. Johnny Storm knows this match and this business inside now. And he managed to put Ollie Cole through his paces in a really thoroughly entertaining match. And I'm sure the guys both talked about this match ad nauseum afterwards. And I'm sure Ollie Cole really picked up a lot learning from Johnny Storm. There are a few moments there where it maybe seemed like Ollie was a little bit lost or unsure of what's going on. Maybe a forgotten spot to, but it was barely noticeable to the untrained eye. As a professional wrestler who I've worked with Johnny Storm several times, I know all of his spots, I know what's going to happen in the Johnny Storm match. There was a moment where Ollie Cole was whipped into the corner, looked like it maybe was meant to be reversed, but Johnny Storm is a consummate professional. He just rushes in, takes Ollie Cole down, and it was a simple adjustment to keep that match flowing. He kept the match flowing and the tempo up, 
And that's what stood out in this match as well. Like the first match, there was just such a high tempo. The pace was really high. There was very little downtime. Even after the double clothesline, I thought maybe they're going to stay down for an eight count, nine count, whatever. They were up at three, get the crowd back into it. And Johnny, he's got that crowd in the palm of his hands. And it was really impressive to see Johnny let Ollie Cole perform his own move on him as well. Not many people get the opportunity to do a 619 on Johnny Storm, who obviously usually performs it on other people. I've wrestled him before. He's hit me with the 619 many times before, but I do wonder how many times he's actually been hit with it himself. This was just a fantastic opportunity for Ollie Cole, but obviously the experience gap was evident. Ollie was beaten down by Johnny Storm, who knew everything was coming because he's just got so much experience. He rolled out the way on that Giants frog splash, hits the Wonder World, one, two, three. But nonetheless, Ollie Cole needs to keep his head held high. He kept up with one of the best in the business, showed he could keep pace with Johnny Storm. And Johnny really put him through the ring and really tested him and tried him. And I hope they had a great conversation afterwards. And Johnny Storm pointed him in the right direction. And I'm sure that Johnny has given him areas which he can improve on. It's important to reflect and learn from our matches. And I think the crowd really enjoyed this kind of high octane. There was lots of kind of kicks and top rope moves. And I'm sure as much as the crowd are going to remember this match, Ollie's going to remember this match for the rest of his life. And I'm sure the people of Fosdyke will do. So well done to Ollie. Cracking match. Massive boost of confidence for you putting a match together, working with a pro, listening, getting the timing right and remember those spots. So I thought it was great. Jim, what did you reckon to this match, mate? Yeah, I mean, it would. it's a sink or swim moment for Ollie, isn't it? Wrestling Johnny Storm. Like you said, British wrestling royalty, he's been around for a long time. Johnny knows the difference between someone who's just pretending to do this job and someone who really wants to do it. And I think that Ollie had, like you just said, Ollie had a really good showing. He kept up with Johnny's spots. I think one thing that Ollie did do in this match a few times, which I think was to his detriment, was he rushed. If he just slows down a little bit and just takes his time, and just doesn't try and do three things at once, just remembers, okay, right, this is a bit that's coming next. This is the bit we're going to do. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to milk it. I'm going to work it because that's what Johnny's going to do. Then I'll go into the spot. You know what I mean? It gives you time to think. It gives you time to breathe and is less frantic and, and less panicking. I think that's one thing that Ollie needs to do, just tone down the fact that he can be quite frantic at times. In terms of positivity, he seemed to hit most of the spots. There were some cool moves. And we got to bear in mind how long Ollie has been doing the job. I mean, this is probably like his, his 15th single match, if that. And he's wrestling Johnny Storm, one of the best in the world. And not only is he wrestling Johnny Storm, one of the best in the world, he's actually having a pretty good match with him. Like you said, the crowd loved it. Everyone was up for it. Johnny Storm had really good feedback for him. Obviously, Johnny Storm probably sat there and, and there's no point in us breaking everything down because I'm sure Johnny did it for him and Johnny was in the ring with him. So Johnny knows best in this situation. But the one thing that I can give feedback-wise is just slow down, don't rush. But again, he was very complimentary to, to Ollie's skills, but not just in the ring, but backstage too. Johnny wouldn't bullshit you if he genuinely believed that there was something there. He would say it. Um, Danny gave him some feedback as well, I think, which is amazing help. This was a really prime opportunity for Ollie to learn and realize where he is in the job and realize that he's got a long way to go. He's got that raw talent, which he's getting him by at the moment. But that raw talent isn't enough to be able to make it in this job. You need to work people like Johnny Storm. Slow down, listen, realize who you are. 
identify what you want to do, identify the moves that you want to do, identify the kind of character you want to be. And Ollie's got so much going for him. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Ollie should be proud, like you say, hold his head up high, walk out of that match feeling happy and capped off what I think was a really good first half for the crowd of Fosdyke. They absolutely loved it. And they, they went into the interval thinking, Jesus Christ, we were part of something fucking pretty special here. This is one hell of a show. So it capped off a really nice first half. Three totally different matches. Everyone's going to have enjoyed something different out of every single one of them. And and that's what we do at Fallen Style. We give people variation. Three really good, totally different matches. So hopefully you liked one of them and... Off we go into the interval. Yeah, I mean, you had Danny Boy Collins in the middle of the ring. You had Jimmy Starr, you had Johnny Storm, and of course the UK Pitbulls as well. That is a stacked card anywhere you go in British wrestling, isn't it? Yeah, and Dark Wolf, Matt Waters, Jack Landers. I mean, Jesus Christ. Obviously, there's some less experienced guys there, but they still know what they're doing. I mean, the amount of skill and knowledge that was in that first half. When I look at other cards for other shows, it just doesn't touch it. It just doesn't touch the skill level, the storytelling ability, the athletic ability, and just, yeah, fucking mind-blowing. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Definitely. Then after the interval, we return for match number four. MC Danny Fear comes down to the ring and introduces the match. Referee Andy Stone checks the turnbuckles, and then the music of Jaden Scar rings out throughout Fosdyke. The lights turn red and the crowd falls silent. The strings and synthesizers build in anticipation for the unstoppable, unmovable, undefeatable next-level Jaden Scar. Jaden makes his way around the ring he removes his mask and the audience show their dislike distest and disgust they were disgusted by Jaden Scar but he just didn't care he feeds off of it he loves their booze he eats and drinks their jeers his opponent for the evening is the over the top sparkly boy and sassy bear Clarence as soon as the music hits the audience jump to their feet they wave their arms in the air they cheer for their favorite wrestler the sassy bear Clarence Clarence rolls into the ring performs a lovely cartwheel but then Jaden Scar like a snake like a rat attacks Sassy from behind as Sassy is posing towards the crowd he sends Clarence into the corner and begins to stomp a mud hole in him Jaden then demands that the referee rings the bell which he does the match is underway and Jaden Scar is taking the easy way out knowing that the Sassy Bear is much more liked much more loved and stronger than Jaden Scar so Jaden Scar has to use underhanded tactics wit knowledge ability and experience to take down the Sassy Bear as Jaden rains right hands into the midsection of the sassy bear. Scar then sends Clarence into the corner who reverses it and Jaden goes crashing into the buckle. Clarence follows up with a giant splash and then Sassy has time to remove his jacket. He then charges at Jaden Scar who had fallen down in the turnbuckle and thrusts his pelvic bone right into the face of Jaden Scar leaving him dazed and confused. Clarence follows up with a snapmare and then uses his moneymaker, his derriere to rub it right into Jaden Scar's face. Jaden's hair went from light grey blondie brown into a slightly darker tone there. Sassy Bear has had enough and he wants to finish things off. He goes to claim Jaden Scar. Jaden Scar goes for the eyes and then starts working over the Sassy Bear. Clarence hits the ropes, jumps off the second rope and lays a kick into the face of the Sassy Bear with a disaster kick. The first time it didn't work but the second time he nailed it right on the button and now Jaden Scar is in full control. Jaden grabs Clarence's hair, hops off the second rope again, delivers a second disaster kick right to the face of the sassy bear. Clarence is on 
the floor, reeling, grabbing his head, and Scar remains in control. Scar then starts to dissect the body and limbs of the sassy bear, Clarence. He gets his left arm worked on, softening up the sassy bear's arm, his lifting arm, taking away the strength, and possibly in anticipation working over that left arm to maybe hook in the chicken wing later on. But that remains to be seen. Scar then lines up Clarence and nails him with a sidekick right to the face. But the sassy bear, he will not go down. He will not quit. He will not relent. Scar goes in for the third kick with the sassy bear. He grabs the foot and ankle of Jaden Scar and says, no, drops the boot to the ground and then pulls Jaden Scar in for a giant clothesline. This is followed up by a pinfall, but it's only able to get the two count. The match continues. Scar then looks for the pedigree. Sassy spins out. Scar goes for the disaster kick again, but he's caught in midair by the sassy bear. Clarence, Clarence bumps him on the forehead with a nice little kiss and then picks up Scar, goes for the running power slam again. Scar slips down the back, followed up with a kick, looks for the pedigree one more time, but with the power, size and strength of the sassy bear who just lifts Scar over, who goes tumbling down to the mat. Scar gets to his feet. He charges at the sassy bear who just knocks him down with the right arm clothesline. And then again with another one, Scar throws a clothesline and sassy comes off the second rope with a back elbow and he's now fully in control. Clarence rails Jaden Scar with a sit-out gut wrench powerbomb but this is only able to get the two count a really nice pinfall there sassy then calls for the finish he hoists jaden scar up for the running power slam but scar again slips down the back he follows that up with a ripcord knee hooks in the pedigree and the sassy bear clarence is laid out in the middle of the ring one two clarence kicks out at two and three quarters this match continues jaden scar then stalks behind the sassy bear he removes the wrist tape and screams to the audience boom he locks in the cross-faced chicken wing. It looks like Clarence was going to fade away, but he then runs Scar backwards into the turnbuckle and then uh, goes for the running power slam again. Scar slips down the back again, rakes the eyes and then locks in the cross-faced chicken wing. The sassy one is brought down to the ground with grapevines and the legs around the waist of the sassy bear. The cross-faced chicken wing is locked in. The referee lifts up the arm of sassy bear once, twice, Three times it was all over and Jaden Scar has defeated the Sassy Bear Clarence in this fourth match here at Fosdyke by submission. And I thought this match was all right. I wasn't sure if it was their best outing. There was a few kind of minor miscommunications in there. It still felt like they were maybe figuring things out. There was a the odd forgotten spot or they just weren't gelling well together. I'm not sure what it was. It started off a little bit shaky with kind of Jaden the miss and that first disaster kick from the second rope. But... I feel like they kind of got back into it as the match went on. So it started off a little bit shaky for me. I'm normally used to seeing that very kind of crisp cleanness with Sassy Bear and Jaden Scar. Although I also did enjoy Jaden's dominance, I think maybe he did kind of overshadow the Sassy Bear a little bit too much. I would have liked to have seen the Sassy Bear kind of look like he had a chance to win and get a few more moves in. He did nail that gut wrench power bomb and the back elbow from the second rope, but it never really, to me, I never really believed that the Sassy Bear was going to win. But that's just my opinion. I, I thought the match actually had quite a nice flow to it, but it could have probably benefited more from, I guess, I guess more sassiness, especially kind of as Jaden started off hot, attacking Sassy in the corner. It might have been nice to then switch it around and give Sassy a real nice long shine for then Jaden to work the finish, work a bit of the heat and stuff like that. Because 
I don't know how it felt in the arena at the night there. It didn't really feel like Sassy had that much chance to shine. Again, watched it back on the phone camera. The crowd didn't seem as super into it as maybe they should have, despite being two incredible wrestlers in the middle of the ring. Of course, Sassy Bear, he's just kind of over-the-top exuberant. And then you've got Jaden Scar, who's the opposite, with people chanting and booing him. I think they started off really hot at him, but maybe there wasn't as much kind of crowd participation as the match kind of came to an end. And then there might have been some sort of falling star wrestling faithful in the audience, but there was definitely a lot of locals in there who's, who hadn't seen much wrestling in their area, let alone falling star wrestling. And it might have been a nice opportunity for the sassy bear to go out there and just really shine and do everything that the sassy bear does because it seems as of late, the more he started to work for Falling Star Wrestling, the more those kind of exuberant things have kind of fallen off. And that makes sense because he is wrestling in front of a lot of the same people each and every month. But I think for this one, he probably could have just turned that sassy meter way up to 10. Nonetheless, though, Jaden Scar picks up another definitive victory here. That cross-faced chicken wing is looking like a really, really threatening maneuver. I like the psychology with Jaden Scar working over Sassy Bear's arm. It makes sense. It takes away a little bit of the power from the Sassy Bear. And then, of course, softening up for the cross-faced chicken wing later on. I thought Sassy did really well actually selling the arm through the entire match. There was a bump and feed part towards the end. You could see Sassy's left arm was tied to his side while he was hitting those right arm clotheslines, remembering to sell the arm. It was just those kind of tiny details that I thought were really quite good. So that sort of, that was the positive points of the match for me. I just think it could have been maybe a touch more exciting. And maybe I'm expecting too much from these guys, expecting them to go out there and have absolute sort of five-star classics. But maybe that's just me being a little bit too hard. I liked a lot of the moves in the match. I thought it was a good match. I just would have liked a little bit more kind of characters especially who you've got in the match you've got Jaden Scar and Sassy Bear in there they could have had just an all and all out kind of character match but I know why they did what they did does that make sense yeah totally I, I I think that they substituted character for action and maybe that wasn't the way to go and to be fair actually I think Danny Collins totally fucking agreed with you in that match like I he was outside watching the match through the window and it was just before my match and I went out there and I went, how's he doing? How's Sassy doing? And Danny just went, he's selling too much. Like, he's just selling. He shouldn't be selling this much. He's a character. Where's his shit? Like, where's his routine? Where's his act? And I think there is a good point to be made there. Like, does Sassy want to be a wrestler or does he want to be an act? If he wants to be an act, then he needs to work out more act-based stuff, more little routines, more things that will get him over, more things that will make the crowd laugh more things that will fucking get the crowd on his side that work for his character. You know, he's going out there looking as exuberant and as flamboyant as he does. Then he's wrestling needs to match his outfit. Otherwise, he's just a guy in pink tights wearing glitter, getting beaten up by Jaden Scar. Like you said, the match was fine. It flowed well. It told a decent story, but it didn't have any sassiness in it. And sassy bears in the ring. He needs to work on his character. He needs to work out more shit add more sassiness into his match. Fucking embarrass Cray, because that's a perfect foil for him. Embarrass this really serious, deviant, horrible fucking heel wrestler. I mean, obviously, Jaden's going over, so he'll get his his bit in. But it's also more about just getting sassy over, and Jaden Scar was the perfect foil for that. But they concentrated on having a good match with peaks and flows and falsies and shit like that. 
when really they should have just gone out there and let Sassy be Sassy. Jaden fucking sell all of Sassy's little routines and silliness and then bang, do something dodgy and nip a win on him at the end. That would have got the crowd absolutely screaming. As it stands, it was a nice match. The crowd seemed to enjoy it. It was a nice opener. Plenty of action, plenty of falls, plenty of thrills, plenty of spills, but no sassiness. And if we got a character called Sassy Bear, we need sassiness. So my one tip and your tip and Danny's tip is if you're going to be that character, be that character, own it. Be Adrian Street number two. Be Bobby Barnes. Be that fucking flamboyant character who is constantly on as that character. Doesn't forget they're that character doesn't sell like a normal wrestler, doesn't work like a normal wrestler. It has this really weird sort of flamboyant style that makes him totally different. And it, you see it at the start when he does his little start routines. He needs that for his whole match. His whole match needs to be based around his character if he's going to carry on doing it. And I think he should because it's a great character and no one's doing it at the moment. You know, it just takes time. So there was nothing wrong with the match. It was fine. They didn't probably get a, a very good idea of what that sassy bear character is about, you know? Yeah, because I think the the plus sides of sassy bear is not necessarily the moves that he does. He always gets a massive pop because he's got great music that just fits in with his character. He's always so over the top and exuberant. He's always got some great face paint on. He's got the little fluffy boots and the little kind of ring jacket and things like that. And I think that's what people like about him. If you went to the average kind of Joe public wrestling fan for falling star wrestling you'd be like name five moves that the sassy bear does and they'll go uh, uh he puts his butt in their faces and that's the kind of thing it's like they're not going to go oh i love his uh, running power slam the oklahoma slam oh, i love it when he does the gut wrench power bomb the springboard off the second rope of the back elbow they're gonna go, no i like it when he says let's get sassy and i think that's kind of a little bit of an indication as to where that character needs to go but like you said if he doesn't want to be an out and out character then he needs to make up his mind and then be Clarence, who is a little bit flamboyant, but is a serious wrestler who is a powerhouse wrestler. Or does he want to be the sassy bear, the exuberant guy with the mullet and the sparkles and all that sort of stuff who still can wrestle and you can still put moves in there, but you've still got to be sassy first and then Clarence second. Totally. Yeah. 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 And it, it's, it's, what do you want to offer for in star wrestling? Do you want to be the sassy bear? Or like you say, do you want to be the fucking big workhorse, you know? Yeah, exactly. Plenty to take on board there with the sassy bear Clarence. Then we moved on to match number five. We'd had a six-man tag team match. First to come to the ring are the Falling Star Wrestling tag team champions, George Rashwood and Bobby Adams, a.k.a. The Sound, and their tag team partner, The Unusual, Unpredictable, Undefeatable, and Falling Star Wrestling's Limitless Champion, Furio. This team out here right now, consisting of the tag team champions and the Limitless Champion, it's absolutely stacked, a ring full of champions with their challenges consisting first of my friend, my podcast host, my tag team partner, who's still repping the can rattles, Jimmy Starr. Jimmy is tagging with the unlikely pairing of the former Falling Star Wrestling tag team champions, the creature from the swamp and the mouthpiece for the NLP. They are the Norfolk Legion of Pain. Myself and Jimmy, we've been up against the NLP up and down Kingsland, beating the Tara of each other. 
But now there's some respect in there. There's some admiration for one another because we know there's other things that we need to put our eyes on and need to put our focus on. And that's those of the Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Bobby Adams, George Rashwood of The Sound. Before the match starts, Crowley looks like he wants to take somebody's head off. He is just absolutely livid and furious. And I don't think he cares at this point who it could be, whether it's Jimmy, Mitch, Adams, Rashwood, Furio. He just looks absolutely angered and depraved and frustrated. And he just wants to beat somebody up. He looked wild. The referee rings the bell and the match starts off with the unlikely pairing of Furio and Jimmy Starr. Jimmy Starr with a little quick Ric Flair impersonation and then the two lock up in the middle of the ring. Jimmy takes the arm of Furio, rings it around and around and then brings Furio's shoulder into his own and then whips Furio in, lands with a clothesline. Jimmy then's Furio in who reverses it. Jimmy comes off the rope with a jumping lariat, taking the vampire down to the ground. Jimmy then works over the arm of Furio, tags in the creature from the swamp Crowley but as soon as Crowley comes in, Furio evades breaking the lock that Jimmy had on him and then tags out to George Rashford. Ashwood comes in with the right arm but is caught by Crowley who then catches the other arm and then repeatedly headbutts George Rashwood trapping those arms and then nailing George Rashwood with the headbutts. Crowley then bounces off the rope using the momentum to crash his head into George Rashwood again. Rashwood tags out to Adams who comes in steaming but Crowley just catches him and bundles him into the corner, picks him up for a backbreaker and then Mitch Basher comes off the second rope with a forearm. The NLP are looking really good here. Jimmy Starr then comes in with a splash of his own Basher then takes control and takes out Bobby Adams with the trio of Jimmy, Basher and Crowley working over Adams in the corner. They send Jimmy in for a splash and then Crowley for the same. The pairing of Jimmy and Crowley then send Mitch Basher in where they hit Bobby Adams with him. And then Basher then follows up with a butterfly suplex. The audience chants, we want more. Basher then tries for a trio of suplexes, but George Rashwood is on the outside who grabs the referee's attention and Furo comes in and nails Mitch Basher with an impaler DDT. Adams goes for the pin but Basher kicks out at two. The threesome of the Sound and Furio then go to town on Mitch Basher working him over in the corner. Rashwood then runs back and hits that senton on Mitch Basher but Mitch Basher kicks out. Furio then lights up Mitch Basher in the corner with kicks. He then goes to the corner of Crowley and Jimmy and just spits towards him and Crowley, he doesn't like that. He tries to get into the ring but the referee blocks him from doing so giving the Sound the opportunity to work over Mitch Basher in the corner. Furio then grabs Mitch Basher and sends him to the ground with a snapmare followed by a chin lock. Basher then makes his way to his feet, hits the chin breaker but goes to the wrong corner to get the tag. Furo is then faster than lightning and nails Mitch Basher with a spinning wheel kick. Furio then nails Basher with a Russian leg sweep and ascends to the top rope but Mitch Basher manages to catch Furio on the top rope and both men fall down with a giant top rope superplex. Both men are down. The referee begins to count. Mitch Basher tags out to Crowley. Furio tags into Adams. Crowley nails Adams with a spine buster and destroys George Rashwood with a massive deep six. Crowley then picks up Bobby Adams and power bombs him on the apron on the outside with just pure disregard. Crowley puts George Rashwood in the corner, follows it up with a corner clothesline once, twice. Rashwood stumbles out to the middle of the ring. Adams then sidesteps the corner attack by Crowley and follows up with a backstabber. He goes for the pin, but Jimmy Starr comes into the ring from the outside and breaks up the pinfall. Jimmy then rails Bobby Adams with a giant release German suplex. And in the meantime, George Rashwood hooks in Jimmy Starr for a suplex, but Jimmy blocks it. 
Furio comes in, and then he and Rashwood are going to hit the double superplex on Jimmy Starr, but Jimmy blocks that again. Mitch Basher comes in, and then it's two on two. Jimmy and Basher try to suplex Furio and Rashwood. Adams comes in, and now it's a three on two attack, and then one more for good luck. Crowley comes in, and the team of the NLP and Jimmy do a triple suplex on the sound on Furio to a massive applause, and the audience chants, yes, yes, Mitch Basher then picks up the carcass of George Rashwood, hits him with the sister Abigail with the assisted knee, shiver, and then the cutter from Jimmy Starr. The team of the Norfolk Legion of Pain and one half of the disaster artist Jimmy Starr pick up the win in this fifth match at Fosdyke. The unlikely pairing picks up the win and they do so in decisive fashion. Now, Jimmy, you were in this match. You helped put this match together. You were teaming with the enemy against the enemy. So I guess the enemy of my enemy is my friend. How'd you get on, mate, on Saturday night? It was great. I mean, it was a three-on-three tag. It was before the main event. We're not there to shine above the main event. Do you know what I mean? We're there to just create a little bit of chaos, just do something different before we settle down, do the main event, and hopefully the main event is the pinnacle of the show. I mean, you saw the match. Six guys in there who know what they're doing. I thought the match went well. I don't think we clusterfucked it too much. I think everyone did their bit. That suplex spot worked really well. And obviously that was like the pinnacle, the main spot of the match, which got over and those triple suplexes, they can fuck up and you can all sort of land on top of each other in a big heap and end up hurting each other. So I'm glad that went well. The finish was nice. The crowd were really up for it, really up for it. I mean, they were absolutely fucking, they were going ballistic. They were with every chant, they were with every clap. The match was old school, a lot of sort of moody tags, a little bit of heat, a lot of chaos. There's six people in there. There's no reason for the action to stop. Even though the action's fast and furious, there's no reason to rush and clusterfuck it, but it still needs to be sort of non-stop. Bang, little bit of heat, nice little fucking comeback. That's all finished. Let's all go home happy and let's just get ready for the main event. That was sort of our job. You can obviously see that in terms of the storyline for Falling Star Wrestling, those teams don't make a great deal of sense. But for the crowd that were there on that night, you've got six pros in there who know what they're doing. It was fine. Is it going to fucking win any awards for match of the year? Probably not. But it was a little bit of control chaos before the main event. Plenty of good stuff in there. I thought we did well. I was pretty pleased with it. Yeah, that was a word that I wrote in my review as well. The word chaos, because it was just, it was a great big fun chaotic six-man tag team match there's no real words that can really describe the amount of chaos that was going on there was plenty of nonsense happening but it all had it to the heat and it seemed like every person the six people in the match plus the referee and the announcer and all the crowd in there just looked to be thoroughly enjoying themselves which is great and it's nice to see the sound back in action after not tagging up for quite some time teaming up with furio again there's another unlikely pairing considering furio destroyed bobby adams a couple weeks ago in a Falling Star Wrestling Limitless title match. However, you know, just, when you're I in just the match... Looked at, sorry to interrupt, but I just looked at it. When I put that team together just for the show and for the visual, they're all champs, and it just looks cool. Three people stood on one side, all with belts, against three people on one side who don't have belts, but just hate them enough to fucking want to beat the shit out of them. It was the visual and more than the 
fact that it would make sense to people who followed us on a regular basis it was just a nice little visual you know yeah no it makes sense and as you said it at the beginning you were trying to kind of present falling star wrestling almost without kind of storylines and the way that i watched the matches back on the camera was i was completely in storyline mode and now i've come completely removed myself from that it does make sense you know firo he's this kind of in-between character he can work babyface he can work heel but he is the limitless champion you got the sound in there they're doing great as heels as well good visual with all three belts being on show in this tag team match and then you guys just whipped them up and buried them all it was great <laughs> yeah that is it. and that i think everyone did their bit everyone got a little bit in got their shit in we all knew big suplex spot which was rob's idea by the way that big suplex spot we knew that the minute that was suggested all oh, that's got to be the end that's just got to be the bit where everyone powders out because that ain't it's not going to be a bigger move than that. You know, I know we hit that sort of running knee thing for a finish, which I thought was quite a nice little combination for a finisher. Worked quite nicely. It was just about creating a little bit of excitement and doing something totally different to the main event. When the show was booked, it was booked for maximum entertainment, maximum heat, and to give everyone a chance to not necessarily to shine as as individual wrestlers and look at me, but to say this is what the company can offer you. We can do everything. We can fucking give you chaos. We can give you athletic matches. We can give you fucking strong style matches. We can give you comedy. We can give you this. We can give you that. And this was the match where we gave them fucking three-on-three chaos. But controlled chaos, I think, on the night made sense. The crowd definitely followed it. There was a lot of apron work. I was on the apron, obviously, for quite a bit of the match and doing a hell of a lot of apron work. And they were with everything. It was great. They were with absolutely everything. It was marvellous. Really easy night's work. And in terms of, like, feedback, what kind of feedback can you give? Everything went perfect everything went perfect in terms of telling the story did everything go perfect where you know you could sit there and go well you probably could have moved slightly to the left with this you probably could have taken a step forward yeah fuck you but could we have got more heat and should we have got more heat considering that we were the match before the main event and the answer is no fuck it let's just go and have some fun and we all did have fun like we all came back we were, there was no pressure going into the match because hardly none of us had hardly anything to remember we just knew that we fucking just to have fun and, and get that heat and get that crowd on board with the match and fucking we all know what we're doing so it was easy it was such an easy night's work I had a really bad trap nerve in my fucking shoulder and my neck from a gym injury that I did on Wednesday. And I was like, please go away for Saturday. It didn't. I was in a lot of pain for that match, like legitimately in a lot of pain for that match with a trap nerve. I didn't do a great deal. But then again, no one did. It was just fucking chaos. Boom, boom. Really good fun. Really easy to remember. And just no pressure, especially on me when I'm running around booking the show and doing bits and bobs and people are asking for feedback and all that sort of shit. It gives me an opportunity to be what I need to be, promoter, fucking the person you talk to and ask advice from. And it gave me the opportunity to do that and also go out there and wrestle with an injury too and have an easy match that I didn't need to worry about. And that's exactly what it was. And it ended up being really good fun. A lot of it was improvised on the spot. It was just really good fun, really cool shit. Yeah, it looked easy, it looked fun, and it looked like it was just a simple match that was put together between you guys. But because there were six people in there, it always keeps rolling forward, doesn't it? And as much as the team of Jimmy Starr and NLP is kind of an unlikely pairing, I thought you guys worked really well together. I thought the team as a collective looked pretty cool. You had a few nice little tag team sequences in there. There was like the splash and then the knee, which you mentioned there. And yeah, everybody looked like they were having fun. And that's the main thing 
It wasn't too storyline driven. We can take this in its kind of encapsulated little thing. We can put it to one side, but maybe we can bring it up later on. And, you know, I made a note of it seems like every time I have to miss a show, Jimmy Starr always ends up teaming with Mitch Basher in some way or another. It's just, should I be worried? I don't Should I be? Are you cheating on me, Jim, with Mitch Basher? <laughs> I'm definitely not cheating on you, but I know if I had a choice of going to the dark side and teaming up with Rashford or teaming up with Mitch Basher, I think I'm going to lean over towards Mitch Basher and Crowley. Because at least, especially in terms of storyline-wise, even though we've had some belters with them, at least I know that if we're, if I'm teaming with them, they're not going to stab me in the back. Whereas I think if I was to team with the sound... That would really would be fucking shitting on my own doorstep and sleeping with the enemy, so to speak. So uh, no, don't worry, I'm not cheating on you. I'm just covering my ass whilst you're away. Nice one, looking out for yourself. And just a quick question before we move on to the main event. Your little Ric Flair strut at the beginning, were you just trying to make Furio laugh? Well, no, this is the thing, right? Fucking, he hit the rope, didn't he? And did a little G up to try and make me fucking jump or laugh or whatever the fuck he was trying to do. But I'm a baby face, right? So I can't sit there and have a heel get one over on me. I can't see he hits the ropes and runs towards me and does this little darting action towards me. I can't fucking sit there and be like, he suddenly got one over on me. I'm a babe face. No, fuck that. This is my shine. This is where I'm meant to be getting one over on him. So fuck it. I'm going to do a little fucking, I mean, it was more Jeff Jarrett, I thought. I'm going to give myself a little Jeff Jarrett strut. And yeah, of course I was trying to pop him more. Yeah, I mean, that would have been great <laughs> if I would have done. But it was more the fact that, no, how fucking dare you? How dare you, in my shine, try and fucking get one over on me. Absolutely not, sunshine. Have a look at this. And then, <laughs> yeah, I pulled out the strut, and I think that strut was a five-star strut, to be honest with you. Definitely best move in the match, mate. <laughs> By, well, it's going to be in it. It's going to be in it. The, the, su- the suplex it was a close second. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. So, after all the chaos and after all the craziness and after all five matches, we're now here. It's time for the main event here at Fosdyke. Danny Fear introduces the first competitor in this match, and we've got the playmaker, Tommy Lawrence. Tommy comes down to the ring with a snarl on his face full of anger, disdain, and hatred for the fans at Fosdyke. He even grabs the hat of one of the fans and throws it away. Tommy then poses for the fans. Some of them show their appreciation, but most of them just show disgust, boo, and chant, who are you? And you suck. His opponent for the evening is the current reigning and defending Falling Star Wrestling heavyweight champion, the Black Rose. Cali Gray. Now, if you guys haven't seen these two wrestle before, let me tell you something. These guys can go. They know each other inside and out. And I believe this is the first time that they've met in a Falling Star Wrestling ring. Now that Tommy's had that attitude adjustment, now that he's changed and he's a little bit more devious, a little trickier, a little bit more evil, we're going to see a different side to Tommy Lawrence here tonight. Whereas normally it used to be friendly, there used to be handshakes and hugs and they used to work together. But now Tommy Lawrence is taking every opportunity he can to get this win over current Falling Star Wrestling champion and I'm sure if he could on this particular night this would propel him to the high rankings in Falling Star Wrestling and Cali comes to the middle of the ring the two start to face up and square up and the lights go down the audience chants towards Tommy Lawrence saying Cali's gonna kill ya the referee conducts his checks and starts off the match the pair look like they're gonna lock up but Tommy Lawrence ducks his head between the middle ropes and gets some separation he doesn't want to do this until he's ready when he finally is they lock up in the middle of the ring a strong lock 
up. Tommy takes Callie to the corner, but Callie switches it. The referee has to come in to split up these two men. And then they come in with a double knuckle lock. Callie kicks off the right arm and wrenches the left arm, trying to take Tommy Lawrence to the mat, which he does. Lawrence rolls through. Callie starts to wrap up the limbs of Tommy Lawrence. He wraps his left arm around his leg, and then Callie hops up and puts his left leg over the top of Tommy's head and wrenches back on Tommy's right arm, just wrapping Tommy Lawrence up like a pretzel here in the opening stages. Tommy Lawrence then has to scuffle towards the ropes and makes the referee break the hole. Tommy goes low with a shot to the gut and then grabs a headlock on the Black Rose Callie. Gray. Callie sends Tommy off. Tommy comes in with a giant tackle, tries to follow up with a pinfall, just gets the quick two count and then wrenches back on the neck and head of Callie Gray. Callie sends Tommy in again. Callie leaps and rushes into Tommy Lawrence with a running back elbow, sending Lawrence crashing to the mat. Tommy then retreats to the corner and Callie lines up a big attack, nails a kick on Tommy Lawrence, sweeps the leg and then stomps on the chest of Tommy Lawrence, takes him to the corner, follows up with a couple of kicks before looking to end things early. Callie Gray hooks in the cemetery driver, getting the left arm and trying to hook in the right arm. Tommy Lawrence slips out and then rails Callie across the face with a forearm, followed by one across the back and a European uppercut sends Callie Gray into the corner. Tommy sends Callie in and he hops up to the second rope. A picture-perfect whisper in the wind follows up with the cover but just gets the two count. Tommy then evades to the outside trying to catch his breath but Callie grabs a hold of him through the middle ropes and then Tommy Lawrence comes back with a shot of his own. He then drapes Callie Gray across the middle rope, nailing a DDT from inside out. Callie Gray smashes his head across the apron on the outside there. Tommy then springs in with a vaulting cutter, nails the Black Rose in the middle of the ring, follows up with a two count. Callie Gray looks to be on the back foot right about now. Tommy then stomps a mud hole in Callie Gray, strikes to the Black Rose, a European uppercut to the back, but Lawrence is still not able to put Callie Gray away. Lawrence then toys with Callie Gray, who's on his knees, kicking him across the chest and just mocking him. Callie Gray just soaks up these kicks. Tommy Lawrence puts his arms in the air and goes for another kick. Callie reverses it, comes back with a few chops. Callie is sent to the corner, hops over the top rope and the Lawrence charges in but is met with a boot by Callie Gray. Callie Gray goes to the top rope looking for that meteora but Lawrence just ducks underneath it. Callie rolls through, pops around and nails Tommy Lawrence with a right hand right to the cheek of Tommy Lawrence as he rushes against Tommy Lawrence who's in the corner and lands and crushes Callie Gray with a giant urinogi slam, slams him into the ground and then lands a picture-perfect split-leg moonsault but this is only able to get the two count. Tommy Lawrence almost picked up the win here. Lawrence then grinds Callie Gray into the mat, locks in a chin lock and works over the back rows, trying to take the wind and air out of the champion. Callie Gray comes back with a couple of shots to the gut and these two are just belting the crap out of each other. Tommy Lawrence then sends Callie Gray into the corner, but Callie Gray comes out immediately with a front drop kick, really rocking Tommy Lawrence, sending him down to the ground. Callie then follows up with a pinfall cover, but Lawrence retreats to the corner. Callie hits a series of moves, a German suplex, kick to the hand, kick to the head, and then rocks Tommy Lawrence with a suplex onto the knee, but it's still not enough to put Tommy Lawrence away. This match continues. Callie's thinking cemetery driver again. He hooks both arms, but he's not able to hit it right here. So he pulls Lawrence back up, gives him a right hand, tries to hook in the cemetery driver again, but Lawrence pushes him away. Callie Gray floats over and gets the pinfall, kick to the knee, goes for the kick to the head. Lawrence comes back with a super kick. Callie Gray comes in with a 
roaring elbow of his own. And they're just going back and forth in this main event match here. Cali Gray looks to hook another suplex, but Lawrence reverses it, hits the Falcon Arrow. Cali Gray's shoulders go down to the mat, but he gets them off of the mat before the referee can count to three. This main event match continues. Lawrence looks to hook in his finishing maneuver, but Cali Gray stands tall. Cali Gray rolls through off the attempted back suplex, follows up with an enziguri to the head of Tommy Lawrence. Tommy then uses the ropes to keep on his feet and then is rocked by a giant kick by Cali Gray. Cali comes steaming in, but Tommy catches him with a massive blue thunder bomb and Cali Gray kicks out just in time and the audience and both wrestlers can't believe it right about now. Tommy Lawrence looks frustrated. He picks Cali Gray up. He washes his boot across the face with pure disdain and disrespect. He then open palm slaps Cali Gray across the face, which angers and pisses off the champion. Cali comes back and reels his head, landing Tommy Lawrence with a massive headbutt. Both wrestlers crumble to the ground and the referee begins his count. The referee gets to six. Both men are on their knees. This slugfest continues with right arms by each competitor. They just keep battering each other until Cali Gray comes back with chops and slaps, sending Tommy Lawrence to the ropes. The whip is reversed and Tommy comes with some sort of front kick, almost like a claymore, and he just sends Cali Gray inside out. Tommy Lawrence looks like he's going to pick up the win right about now if he can take full control of Cali Gray. Tommy Lawrence picks up Cali Gray by the hair and with a show of pure disrespect, looks to hook in his own cemetery driver the finishing maneuver of Cali Gray but Cali Gray stands his ground Tommy Lawrence can't pick him up and land him on his head Cali Gray picks the leg rolls through gets the two count sweeps the knee kicks Lawrence in the head who retreats to the corner Cali then goes from corner to corner nailing Tommy Lawrence with a big knee Lawrence then crumbles into the middle of the ring Cali Gray ascends to the top rope the champion nails the meteora the knees to the face follows up with a pinfall it's a very 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 near two count Tommy Lawrence kicks out but then Cali Gray hooks in that cemetery driver Tommy Lawrence rolls through comes in with a suplex comes in with a hurricanrano goes for the pin that's only able to get the two count Cali Gray then comes back and finally nails the cemetery driver nailing it dead in the middle of the ring the champion picks up the win in this main event match after a long hard-fought battle Cali Gray is the victor here at Fosdyke in this amazing match now Jimmy I'm going to throw it over to you. What did you think to this main event match between Tommy and Cali, mate? I mean, it was, I mean, Christ, it was amazing. I don't even know where to begin when it comes to explaining the Cali Gray match, and especially when he's wrestling someone of the quality of Tommy Lawrence. I know that I watched a lot of this match with Danny Collins, and he was exceptionally impressed with these two. Exceptionally impressed, especially the way they built their match. The match was built beautifully, and by the end, the false finishes and, and the big moves, and the they, it wasn't like they were just doing stuff that moves for moves' sake. It was like it was harkening back to earlier on when I was talking about Jack Landers and Matt Waters doing things to to further the story that they're trying to tell. It's not just about doing moves for moves' sakes, and this is what some of the younger guys have got to learn. Yeah, of course, Callie and Tommy know a lot of shit, and they do a lot of shit, but they do it at the right time for the right reasons. And like I said, to, so that they can tell the tale that they want to tell and take people on a ride. And I think this match took people on a ride. Now you've got to bear in mind with our 10 minute delay and the fact that we're not the best timekeepers in the world when it comes to our matches, 
it was about 10 past 10 by the time this show finished, maybe even quarter past, and the crowd did not dip in the slightest. They were there for everything. So it just goes to show how amazing this match was. No one went home. It wasn't like, oh, fuck, we got to get our kids back, blah, blah, blah. Everyone stayed and everyone watched intently because what they were doing was just so amazing. It, it, it was Shakespeare almost. It was beautiful. It was theatre. It was a story. And that's what was so great about it. Everything seemed to be placed so well. Cali is doing is probably the best champion we've ever had, really. I mean, he's doing so well. And even though this wasn't a championship match, he still is our champion. He is, wrestling-wise, the head of Falling Star Wrestling. He represents the best of what we got. And every time he goes out there, every time, without foul, he gives it his absolute all. And I can't ask for more than that. I just can't ask for more than that. This match was a spectacular way to end the show. Plenty of oohs and ahs and, like, you know, you really were unsure who was going to win, especially as it was a non-title match. But we decided to send the crowd home happy I think we did. And it was just the cherry on the cake, which was that show. It was an amazing night. It was great to be a part of it. The crowd was so amazing. It was so amazing to see Danny, the love that poured out of the crowd for that man. And it's so good to know that he's going to be around and he's going to be back for our other shows to give us more support. And it just felt like the beginning of something new. And those guys just basically... That it was that their match was the middle finger, as if to say, fuck you, we nailed this show. Kiss our ass, do a better show than that. Anyone, do a better show than that. Get a better reaction and take a crowd on more of a journey than we did that night because we fucking nailed it, which was handy because we said we were going to do that at the start of the show, which is a very daft thing to do. But it was very handy because everyone worked so hard and the main event in particular everyone works so hard to do their bit and that was what that show was about that was why i was so pleased with that show it was like everyone did their bit no one was trying to outshine anyone there was no egos there was no like oh i've got to fucking win i've got to do this i've got to get my shit in this doesn't fit in my storyline this doesn't do that everyone was just working for the show everyone just wanted to fucking do good for the show and impress that our new fans that we've managed hopefully to gain from lincolnshire but as for that final match I mean, I can't comment on it really because I don't know a great deal. I don't know fucking even a lot of what their moves are called or what they're even trying to do. I just know that it was fucking great and it worked really well and the crowd loved it. So fair play to them. I'm really chuffed, really chuffed. Yeah, I mean, another main event, another Cali Gray match, another hard-fought victory for Cali Gray. Despite very tough competition in Tommy Lawrence, he managed to perform at such a high level and pull out that win. It was just a cracking match between Cali and Tommy. Both men gave it all and left it all in the ring. And I think possibly... This was maybe one of Cali's best matches in recent memories. And I know this wasn't a title defense, but this has to be kind of considered in his long reign of kind of going up and having these high caliber matches because he had somebody that was there to kind of foil him. In previous matches, Cali's gone up against his trainer who wasn't quite a full heel. He's gone up against me, who's a, a, another babyface. So he's had a lot of babyface matches, but I think this really gave him a lot more opportunity to shine because the crowd were fully engaged in both wrestlers, feeding off that energy. You got the kind of the snarl and the disdain from Tommy Lawrence, who's going out there acting like this kind of arrogant person, but he's also got the skills to back it up. And then Cali Gray just manages to dig down deep 
every single time and pull it out of the bag, whether it looks like he's going to lose at any opportunity, he just pulls it back. And they had some really, really nice near falls, a close near fall with that giant blue thunder bomb. I thought maybe a split second there because I thought this is a non-title match. Are they going to do it? Is Tommy Lawrence going to pull out a victory there? However, Cali managed to kick out two and three quarters. That was just a really thrilling moment in the match. And they had the crowd on the edges of their seat, but they didn't have to go too far with any like crazy stunts or massive dives to the outside, really putting themselves in danger. I guess the only exception really would have been Tommy Lawrence's split leg moonsault, which that was a really uh, another really close near fall, almost victory as well. So these guys, they just put on a clinic, they tore the house down. And the match had a really nice flow to it. I think that's the key to Cali Gray's matches. He's really keying in on that that flow of how to get from one thing to another, how to then transition into this next thing. There's no wasted motion. There's no, oh, what do we do now? Oh, I'm just going to rush you into the corner and send you in. It's like, right, we're going to do this move and then you're going to sell quietly to the corner or I'm going to come in with a couple of shots and then we're going to transition really nicely into that next thing. And that's really great because it's really helping Tommy Lawrence come into this kind of new heel persona. I do think he's got a long way to go. We were talking about it earlier with the Dark Wolf, Matt Walters. These two are quite similar, but they're on other ends of the spectrum, whereas Matt can do probably everything that Tommy can do and has done everything that Tommy does, but he's really honed in on that heel character, that dastardly character. Matt goes out there and wants booze first rather than cool moves, whereas Tommy, I think he's still in that other stage where he's, I want to go out there and get booed, but if I'm going to do a crazy twisting corkscrew cutter from the outside in I'm going to do it and people are going to look at that and be really impressed with it which they should be it was a fantastic maneuver he hits that split-legged moonsault he's going to start getting cheered again because he's he's going into that indie thing where it's like moves matter first whereas the heat doesn't matter as much. And I think Tommy could learn a lot from the Dark Wolf Matt Waters and go back and watch the Dark Wolf match because he did hit some really nice moves in it, but then he just follows it up with just a little bit of heat, focusing on that crowd, making sure that they boo him rather than have the opportunity to go, wow, that was a really good move, Matt. He'll be on them and say, no, you shut up. My move was fantastic, but because I say it's a fantastic move, not because you say it's a fantastic move. And I think that's the difference there. But Tommy is really coming along and he's doing some really cool stuff. He's starting to get his stuff in there. He's coming across as a heel. And Callie Gray, he's just a fantastic champion. I can't really put on more praise than you did early on there, Jimmy. Callie Gray can take a bump like nobody else. He can work like nobody else. We've mentioned it time and time again. He's got that sixth extra gear that he can just ramp it up. Whether he's in the dying stages of a match, he can just kind of switch it and then come back from the death. And yeah, just a fantastic match. And... I really, really liked it. And I think this is getting me really excited for the match that Callie's going to have with Jack on the 29th in Heacham because we've seen what Jack can do over the last couple of months. We've seen what Callie can do over the last couple of months. And we've seen what these guys can do when they meet in the middle of the ring, which they did in Heacham over a year ago in 2021, which they did at Linsport over a year ago. And they had two incredible matches, but they've come a long way since then. Of course, Callie Gray is the Falling Star Wrestling heavyweight champion. Jack Landers is one of the rising stars within Falling Star Wrestling. So anything could happen in that ring. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure on them. But for two people I know quite well, the pressure is going to form diamonds. And these two are absolute diamonds. Jimmy Starr, have you got any final thoughts on this event here at Fosdyke, mate? I think just first off, I think you're right. These guys, Friar, Jack Landers and 
Cali Gray thrive on pressure. You know, they they look at a match and, and they think to themselves, right, how can we get together to create the ultimate story, but also the ultimate spectacle? And I think they always seem to be able to be able to, like you say, pull it off. So it's going to be, it is going to be interesting to see what happens at each. And also with Danny Boy Collins around, they're going to want to show him what, what they can do. And he, obviously he's going to be a part of the show in some way, shape or form. I think that, especially with the Fodside show, I do a couple of things. First off, I just, I want to thank the, the boys, obviously the wrestlers, because they all work so hard. They work for the show. And they all, they treated Danny just like he was one of the boys for a change. They didn't treat him like he was Danny Boy Collins. The guy who's wrestled Owen Hart, the guy who's wrestled Fit Finley, the guy who tagged with Big Daddy, the guy who was on fucking ITV's Order Sport. They treated him like one of the boys. They asked for his advice and they were cool and nice to him and respectful, but they treated him like one of the boys. And that and that's what he wants to be a part of professional wrestling again. And this was an opportunity for him to do that. So it was so great to see him having fun, the boys having fun. And again, another thing I want to thank, I just want to thank the crowd because obviously Danny said it better than anyone. He said, without the wrestling fans, what the fuck would we be doing? We'd be a bunch of blokes in our pants fight, pretending to fight in front of no one. But it's the crowd that make it. And when you got a crowd like that, just packed into that room, like sardines, it's uncomfortable and it's hot but it creates such an amazing environment for professional wrestling that the crowd was so loud and they were with absolutely everything. And the feedback we've got has been so good. And obviously we put on the show, the boys did their job. We all did our job. We all did our bit and I'm really proud. But also the reason we do it is because of the reaction that we get. And those fans were just on fucking form hopefully we'll pack it out again but we plan to go all over lincolnshire and really start to take that county and hopefully by, by this time next year as well as kings lynn we'll have lincolnshire sewn up we can move on to other things with danny on our side it's a little bit of a golden ticket to 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 be able to progress further so I am so pleased with how it went. I mean, it's such a shame you couldn't be there, Sean, because the atmosphere was amazing. It was the, easily the best show that we've put on this year, probably one of the best shows we've put on in, in a while. I mean, it doesn't touch either Tiger, but it, in terms of a hall show, it was something special. And like I said, it was special because of the crowd. It was special because it was a new venue, because it was a crowd, and the crowd were really up for it. And if they're really up for it, uh, make sure that we're really up for it. We're back in action on the 15th of April at the Westland Sports and Social Club. That's the sort of deadline for myself and Shawnee to see whether we can stay in the Sound Honorary Invitational Tag Tournament. Obviously, we need to see how your shoulder is before that show. And then on the 29th, we're over at Heacham, the Heacham Village Hall. Danny Collins will be down there for that one. So for guys who, you know, who want to actually come face-to-face with a legend in professional wrestling... Make sure you make your way over to that show. There'll be information on prices on how to book and what to do coming up on our Falling Star Facebook page very soon. We're also, a lot of the Falling Star guys are wrestling for Big Top Wrestling, which is, I believe is on the 22nd of April over at Holt. You know, make sure you come down and show your support for that. And I've just got a really good feeling about Danny Collins being on board. And I'm so proud and pleased and it's an absolute privilege to, to have him, you know, exclusively working for Falling Star Wrestling working for the show and trying to get our name out there and trying to make us bigger. That's what we need as a company. We need that legitimacy that Danny Boy Collins can bring. And with that, I do genuinely believe that Falling Star Wrestling is 
totally unstoppable. Facts, my friend. And after a show like that at Fosdyke and having people like Danny Boy Collins championing us, the sky is the limit for Falling Star Wrestling. Thank you for checking out the Falling Star Wrestling podcast today. It's greatly appreciated. Cheers to the old listeners and new listeners alike. You're the reason we bring you this show each week. Thank you also to Jimmy for joining us on the show today. Well, most of the show, because I'm still convinced he was asleep when I was chatting. No worries, though, we got through it, and Jimmy, the consummate professional, may have had a quick snooze, but he was soon back on the ball. We don't want anyone snoozing through our next live show, though, as we return to the Westland Sports and Social Club in Kings Lynn on Saturday, 15th of April, for Fight Night. If you've not made it to a fight night before, well, you're missing out. It's a super fun night out for all the family, and there's always an amazing atmosphere. So come along and let loose with Falling Star Wrestling Doors 6.30, Showtime 7.30, tickets on the door. For further details, check out Falling Star Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram. It's at Falling Star Wrestling. You can find me there too, at PVC Pro Wrestling. Before you click on your next podcast, make sure you do us a solid here at the podcast and leave us a rating and a review on your preferred podcast app. A five-star rating would be perfect. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there and never miss another show. I'm going to head off now and do some more stretches in hopes of rehabbing this shoulder in time for the 15th, and I'll catch you next time for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Bye-bye.